Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. Trimby, it's Christmas week. Are you feeling festive? Are you feeling I happy? Like, uh, I feel like we um, went a little bit too early in the Christmas jumpers. We did, didn't we? Now look at us. Yeah, Not it's like you. Christmas is over already. <laughs> yeah. And it's the 23rd. We've peaked. Yeah. They were Thanksgiving jumpers. <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, you know, Christmas just gets earlier and earlier every year. So we dive in, I think, as Irish people, we just dive in and start having the crack from, yeah. from the 1st of December. So I'm fully, I think I almost turned into a pint of Guinness the other day. Um, so I'm definitely well into the festivities. Um, we have loads of rugby to talk about today. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying these few days before Christmas and you can sit down and take the time to listen to us ramble on about how <coughs> Connacht had their hearts absolutely ripped from their chests in the last minute at the RDS and stamped on the ground. Ulster beat Munster <coughs> in a game that was littered with talking points, which was very handy. And uh, we have also got a nice little interview with a very, very big, huge, enormous Munster centre named Chris Farrell that we'll be playing for you later on. I met him down in Limerick during the week. Um, he actually gave me uh, a, a quite a laugh about how he gets rid of his Christmas tree. So um, I want to show you a video of how he did this. This is brilliant. Uh -huh. So this is Chris on how he gets rid of his Christmas tree. So any plans for Christmas? What do you do? I've got a couple of days off, so I'll, I'll head up home, up to Tyrone. Sort of takes me three and a half hours drive up home, 3.15. Yeah. Uh, a couple of days up there. We have our Christmas party this Saturday night. Oh, and nice. so what's the team? The me and Trimby were thinking we're going to go with a, a Christmas party team. We, um, we're in Killarney. We're in groups of, <clears throat> we're in large groups of three large groups. And everything must be bought in charity shops. Ah, and so funny. it's... Yeah, one group is must dress up as the Murrays, either something resembling something Bill Murray ever wore, George Murray or Connor Murray. <laughs> so Connor Murray is or Andy Murray, even the tennis player. The yeah. other ones are um, mine is blazers and short shorts. Nice. So blazers, short short shorts. Yeah. Um, and the last one is pajamas, bedwear, loungewear, loungewear. Very uh, cool. Striped pajamas. Okay, so look out for that if you're in Killarney this weekend. Uh, uh, did you put up a Christmas tree this year? This year, uh, I'm living with James Hart and we have uh, a miserable Christmas tree up uh, on the window. Like It's not even that. Is it real? Fake? No, nah, it's fake. Fake. Because oh, I was looking at your Instagram and there's an unbelievable see a video halfway down your Instagram from an apartment you lived in in France where you chucked a Christmas tree yeah. out probably a 10 store win story window. No, it was only four. Was it four? Four. It, it looks phenomenal nice. and the sound of it's phenomenal, but oh. I wasn't expecting it to land upright whatsoever, but it had a wooden block in the bottom yeah. and just weighed it all down. And it's like that massive. bottle, the bottle trick where people flick a bottle and it lands upright. This is him throwing a Christmas tree, a, a seven foot Christmas tree out a four story window and it lands upright like the flukiest thing ever. But yeah, the only reason I out. was chucking it out really was because you know, it was probably February time and the pine needles were all brown and they were falling off, they were real fragile. Uh, I didn't want to... You're being decent. Didn't want to have to hoover the whole apartment block. As opposed to just having the crack and throwing stuff out your window. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Okay, that was Chris Farrell and we'll hear more from him later on. We'll also be announcing our Guinness Made of More Player of the Weekend and we will get a chance to answer all your Twitter questions <laughs> also. But first, uh, to Leinster in the RDS and their win over Connacht. 
What did you make of that? I think what a game. Uh, maybe it's just your typical underdog. You're you're saying like how they they ripped. I was thinking last of the Mohegan style. I was thinking Indiana Jones as well. Like where your man tries to rip. I don't know why. That's graphic for Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, he rips the hearts. Cover the heart, Indy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Connacht didn't cover their hearts. No, they didn't. They should have covered their hearts. Yeah. Should have listened to the advice of Short Rod. <laughs> it's Short Rod, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Connacht didn't have a Short Rod. No. That was it. They had no one to say to cover their heart. No, Andy Friend so. should have been on the radio, what? Short Rod ask. I heard Andy Friend saying after the game that someone asked him in the press conference whether he would have given out many more advice to the players or did he give much advice? And he said, no, we gave no advice for the last 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. that uh, we prefer <laughs> to leave them make their own decisions. And there you go. Not you, one player in the yeah. Connacht 15 decided we should cover our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, they'll cover their hearts next time. <laughs> they will. <laughs> what right was the guy's it. name that used to tear the hearts out in Indiana Jones? Oh, he was the, he's the main guy, like the guy with the, mo- uh, with, the mohawk. Yeah, yeah. Kalima! <laughs> no, no. Oh, sorry, you're still going Indiana Jones. I thought yeah. you were going Last of Mohegans. Oh, no. I was thinking, yeah. that, you know, he actually cuts yeah. his heart out. Well, it's like pumping he in his was hand. So evil that lad. Yeah, yeah. Good scene though. Great it's just scene. a more graphic version of the Indiana Jones. Yeah, one. Both, both, both quite, uh, quite relevant. But right, right at the end of that, um, the Connacht Leinster game, I think everybody became Connacht supporters. Yeah, <laughs> just it's just your classic underdog thing. And then as Leinster scored, it kind of for the last five minutes, it did look a little bit inevitable. It did a little bit like All Blacks when they were in Dublin, mm. 2013 mm-hmm. or sorry, whatever year it was, mm-hmm. where they came back. And uh, um, and then it just the camera kind of panned to Bundy a key, mm-hmm. and I swear I thought he was about to knock George Clancy George out. Did, he? <laughs> I thought, he had no argument. But no, he was I thought I'd maybe something. missed something obvious. But you know, whenever you're desperate, yeah. you're going, "Please, George, anything, anything." <laughs> just give me anything. I thought he was about to punch him in the head. Oh yeah, it was George Clancy. Yeah, either that or it tear his heart out. Unlucky <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> George. <laughs> A lot of heartbreaking in RDS. Um, I think a good way to analyse this game for the two of us is to start with Connacht, split it into two games. Connacht for the first 69 minutes, look at that. And then we'll look at how Leinster snatched it out of their hands for the last 11 minutes. So, yeah, Connacht couldn't have been more impressive in the first 69 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Bonus point against Leinster after 48 minutes in the RDS, scoring some ridiculous tries. Uh, First try, Keen Kelleher. I think, like they managed to expose the O'Loughlin in the centre. He's playing thirteen. Don't think he normally plays thirteen. Yeah, he's played a little 12. bit. He's, he used to play more in the wing. I think he's played more thirteen recently. Oh, has, 12. He, has he played about twelve? Has a he played twelve? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they got they were off a off a line out, and uh, or was it a scrum? And he was inside as a thirteen. He was inside the first post. Yeah. Got really narrow. I mean, it was very well executed and a great score, but it was just good. Point being, it was good to see Connacht kind of going after them there, seeing that <coughs> it was prob- probably a weakness. It was the bun- it was it could have been the ball was very obviously going to Bundy, mm. and then Farrell was coming short, mm. so you're going. You can't leave a one on one really there, so you can see why they narrowed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think Bundy has got he's got a reputation for being very direct, very physical, but. 
every, no one seems to appreciate the subtlety to his game. Oh, yeah. So skilled, just out the back to Cardi, and then it's just hands on the edge. But yeah, it, it looked very simple. Maybe that's because it was executed so well, but I thought, yeah, they looked a little bit narrow, a little yeah. bit naive, very on Leinster like. Yeah, and I think you're right. I loved <coughs> watching Aki and Farrell play. Um, like Aki had another one where he just had a little drop off pass where it looked like he was going out the back of Farrell. To far, yeah. yeah, and Farrell hit a really good line. Very impressive, Farrell. He's, he's the top offloader in the league, I think, in the Pro 14. Um, every time he makes a break or anytime he gets a half a, a shoulder, he's looking to offload. For leaders, try unbelievable offload. Yeah. Great finish from leader. Uh, had another one for I can, can't remember. He made a little break off off Aki's pass and gave another lovely offload off the ground. But um, I think Jack Carty is probably the one that should focus on most. He was class, wasn't he? Mm. He j he looks very very composed, doesn't he? And the RDS kind of not no one goes down there and kind of looks as confident as he did or the lads around him did. To be fair. And a little bit of late disruption as well with Tom Farrell going to 13, the key mm -hmm. coming in, and uh, Godwin moving out to the wing. Mm -hmm. Despite that disruption, um, Keelan Blade mm -hmm. was, was brilliant as was well. They? So yeah. it was the 9, 10, 12, 13, I suppose. Um, Axis just was so good. So just uh, uh, decisions they made were just perfect. Physical when they need to be physical and just went out the back, made really good decisions. Um, and then it's just a shame, mm. a shame just kind of what happened in the end. But yeah, um, I think the confidence thing is is huge. I think you're right there. They look <coughs> like they, Andy Friend has, I think he's ultra positive guy apparently. Uh -huh. So he has them buzzing, buzzing to play. And like, like you said, Carty had, he controlled it really well. Um, but then had little more, like his own try, that chip regather, like that, that's unbelievable. Yeah, skill it's class skill. Against really Leinster. Is. Um, brilliant break in the second half for uh, for Blades try when he you know made a fool out of Dan Levy and, and went up through the middle and then had you know the, the composure to sit down uh, whoever was the last defender and then just give a pretty big pass inside yeah so like up until I mean, his <coughs> kicking was pretty great uh, I think yeah they're, they're, the Connacht set piece for me was huge it was absolutely exceptional they did 100% off their lineouts, solid scrum and that of course allows Carty and Blade and, and the rest to, to have that platform to play off. Yeah, Liam Tolan was raving about um, Tom McCartney's yeah. darts in the line-out and it did look, again, for neither of us who really <laughs> have a clue what we're talking oh about, it did just look so slick. The transfer of the ball was just so smooth and then it gives guys in the midfield real good opportunities to get over the game line, get into the game. Um, yeah, it was just really, really well executed, really slick. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was pretty impressive, all right? Yeah, some other big performances. I thought Jared Butler, um, he bounced Ruddock at one stage. I was yeah. like, oh, that was a huge moment. I haven't seen Reese Ruddock being bounced ever. Yeah. yeah, he absolutely planted. He's a big lad and he's aggressive. Um, <clears throat> Aki's hit on Frawley at the end. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. And they were like pumped at that point. <clears throat> so I was like, this is it. They've got it. They've got it. And then. We Carty got that kick as well to put a 29 12. I was like, this is it, they're just having all these little moments, yeah. So, like, Carty man of the match performance at that point, you think they're home and dry, but then all of a sudden, 11 minutes to go, Leinster they're away from home and they're wet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Leinster just turn it around, uh, like they had a strong side as well. Leinster it wasn't like they were, you know. They were yeah, obviously they're not 
they don't have all their internationals up, but they still have a really strong side. So it's not like they called upon the bench to change things around or anything. It was, it was very much, you know, you got to give kudos to Connacht. But um, yeah, they, they just didn't <coughs> allow them play. But then they just decided takes. that Leinster just decided, right, let's hold on to the ball. And even through some of the phases, Connacht were dominant in defence. They're still making big hits and they were still getting up off the ground and keeping with. But just like, like Leinster just said, listen, we've done this all season. Hold on to the ball. Let's get back to kind of just really basic rugby, mm. um, playing with high tempo, just um, getting over the ball really quickly, really quick pace, rocks. And then they just kept that up. And they, after, you know, it's just like, right, why, would, why didn't we do this from minute one? Mm. Uh, no matter how well Connor are defending, they still have to just cope with the, the intensity of that breakdown. Uh, and then Leinster just, they just got their tails up. Mm. And you could tell it was just inevitable they were going to, they're yeah, gonna get the job done in the end. I think Adam Byrne was the difference for me in the end. He was brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. He had two, he had two offloads for the Levy try. Yeah, within a couple of minutes, like he, they made a break from their own half. He just put the the boot down, uh, accelerated through two tackles, offloaded inside. Um, I think Gibson Park put a kick down into the Connacht twenty-two. Uh, leader picked it up. I think he might have hit Carty or uh, maybe Kelleher. Keller, as Tolan said on the comms, should have put it into touch. Yeah, didn't put it into touch. And I can see though, I can see why he didn't, because you're thinking get this ball as far away as possible. Yeah. But then it it is it's full Can't gold, isn't it? Cover your heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put it into rose Z and just take a minute. Yeah, in hindsight, stick it there, slow it down. Yeah. Someone be struggling with cramp or injury. Like yeah. some, someone look for their contact lens. Something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's that's when the kind of experience and how to win at that at that level kind of kicks in. Not to take anything away from Connacht, but they're the little ones where. You get someone to go down with a contact lens yeah. or an injury or just start traipsing around the place. <laughs> Drag it out. Do you know when you're when you're the on the other end of that, when you're trying to get back into a game uh -huh. and someone's just <coughs> dragging their hole and you're like, Oh my god, <laughs> come on. Stop I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, so like that's all they and they, yeah, when they kicked it down the field, Leinster regathered, Byrne does the exact same thing again accelerates through the tackle, gets an offload and Levy finished quite strongly and then it's 73 minutes and they're within three points all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. and I was like, what the <coughs> hell just happened? Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, it almost became inevitable. Inevitable? It <laughs> became inevitable. That's that not I, what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like 41, still took them 41 phases. That's the other side of it. Like I thought Connacht might die off in terms of effort or energy um, because they gave so much for the rest of the game but they still managed to defend for 41 phases yeah. and kept them out and it was so heartbreaking Reese Ruddock was asked after the game whether he considered taking three points but there was oh. never any chance they were taking like, uh, put um, Ross Byrne in the pocket and yeah drop I think ball. Pat Pat do you have uh, did you ask Reese a question? Yeah, yeah, because it was, you know, I was at the end. I was just kind of thinking of that. They could have got the draw if they wanted to, you know, go for the drop goal. But Reese was saying it wasn't in his thoughts at all. Like so, yeah, we actually have a clip of that. We can play that now. Wasn't in my mind anyway. Uh, uh, my kicking days are over. So, uh, but no, I, <clears throat> to be honest, I, 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 my my thought process was to go for a try. Um, I just felt like we were. We, we found a bit of our flow and um, 
we had them under pressure for the first time in, the, in that game in that last 15 minutes. So I think that the feel out there was that we were gonna we were gonna get another try. Um, obviously, uh, that decision would be up to Ross, but um, I'm, I know the forwards were pretty pretty confident that we could. Uh, yeah, just hold on to the ball and manage to sneak over at the end. And there was a real like, sense in the crowd when, when Jack put over that long penalty that that could be it, like it could be too far for you guys. Like, was it you, like, you know, when you were under the post, are you the guy doing the talking? Was anybody else doing the talking under the post there? Um, I think a lot of guys, um, like Scott and <coughs> Rossburn, and th there was loads of guys who, who had the presence of mind to know that we were off our game and um, if we held on to the ball, we'd get opportunities. We knew that attack-wise, we hadn't really had too many opportunities. But you know, it was only a matter of time before, if we held on to the ball, we would get a chance to strike. So we were confident in that. We just knew we had to shore up our defence. So um, that became kind of the big focus in that second half. And um, once we, once we started to, you know, get a little bit of momentum, we could almost feel the tide start to turn a little bit. So um, yeah, guys like Ross and. Uh, even I heard Ed Byrne to say someone when that went over we're still going to win so um, it was good to have guys with the, just just the belief um, there wasn't guys kind of looking around for reassurance I think everyone knew what, what had to be done so it was good Okay that's Reese Ruddock there yeah kind of proving your point that they were they still believed even though when Carty got that kick they still had that belief that they were going to win the game yeah so all about as 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 Rhys said there, they kind of felt the tide turning and they felt like momentum's on our side and almost the, the try's going to come easier mm -hmm. um, because they had that momentum and they had that foothold. But even despite that, they're sitting underneath the sticks right on the line and um, it feels like the try's inevitable for, for, from from one side. But then they're they're already sitting on two game points. Mm -hmm. If they score, or, or sorry, if they drop into the pocket and take three points, then they only... They only take one more point. Yeah, you know what I mean. So one more point rather than, nah. you know, it's, it it doesn't make sense. Kind of, there's a lot more return for only slightly more risk. Mm -hmm. Whenever it reset, it felt more secure. It's kind of like the All Blacks made that mistake, I suppose, of play, when they were playing South Africa. Mm -hmm. They went for the try because they felt like there were fewer moving parts. Mm -hmm. And then they obviously they cocked it up on that occasion. But that still, was to win the game, though, wasn't it? Rather than draw it. Yeah, they would have. Would they have won the drop penalty? Goal, the drop oh. goal. I think they would have won it. Yeah. yeah, they would have. So, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and Leinster, like their return from entering the or the Connacht twenty two was quite good. They did score five tries in the game, like mm. which uh, you know five to four. So they they were scoring tries. Might have been mightn't have been making breaks all over the field like Connacht were. But once they got into that twenty two, they were getting a return. So totally back why they did that. And an interesting few points, like what he said there about. Uh, some of the younger players that stood up, like I thought Conor O'Brien again. I'm a big fan of his. Just think he's he's really physical. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, like they didn't they didn't play particularly poorly. Like even to be to be that far down it yeah. after 48 minutes. I think they just defended a, a little bit. They just as as Reese kind of touched on it as well. They were a little bit spread out a couple of times. Um, and then Connacht went through them and then they got tight and then Connacht went around them and they just were a little bit naive, which is mm -hmm. very unlike them. They sorted that out and then even just once or twice their tackle tech actually was was a little bit poor. But once they sorted that out, then they got on top and then they're, they're winners, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They just kind of <coughs> took the game away from Connacht in the end. Yeah, yeah, huge, uh, huge win for Leinster there. 
um, after that first half. But <coughs> she will move on. Uh, you were up in Ravenspan on Friday night uh, for a little bit of a dirty enough game. Um, dirty. Dirty, a bit of a... Yeah, it was a nice battle. It wasn't a great game of rugby, to no. be fair, wasn't it? But plenty happened, plenty to talk about. Yeah. Um, Robert Balakoon's yellow card, I can't go any further than that because it was 12 seconds in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 100% should have been a red card. Mm. I just think... I watched your co-coms or your, yeah, yeah. Your, your, you were sitting on the fence there. Yeah. You tried to move along swiftly when you were asked about it. I tried to communicate that I thought it was red, but just not be that clear yeah. that I thought it was red. I think yeah. when you go that hard and and you take a guy out so clearly, no no kind of... I mean, he, he wasn't looking at the ball at all. He was 100% just going straight through him. Yeah. Uh, sweeten him, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, and then he did. I wondered if, as he landed, I think um, the TMO said that he landed on his side, but he didn't really. Kind of landed yeah. his shoulder, and his head whipped onto the floor. So, yeah, I think I think Ulster got very lucky there. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, all right, absolutely. Well thank you, thank you. <laughs> so I think when you were asked at halftime, you were like, oh, "Yeah, I think we'll we'll take a yellow there, and then sure we'll see how he goes there in the second half, <laughs> moving along there quickly." What's the second half <laughs> yeah. got to do with that? Yeah. No, no, I was panicking. You <laughs> were, you were. Um, yeah, very strange decision. Well, I suppose it was twelve seconds in. The refs is kind of doesn't want to make it was probably better for the game that he didn't but Munster would feel a little bit uh, hard done by someone pointed out they should have had four red cards uh, or Cass should have had four red oh, cards yeah. in the game last week um, so I think yeah the referee's decisions have been a little bit harsh on Munster for the last week um, and as you rightly say um, uh, Sammy Arnold got red carded in the <coughs> same fixture last year I did Sean, same ref Sean Gallagher yeah. red carded at Sammy Arnold for a high tackle um which I didn't think was a red card at the time, but it changed the game and Ulster came back and won it. And I, th I thought it was know. a red card. Did you? Yeah. It was From what I remember now, it was, it was a long time ago, but yeah. God, I'm a little it depends how, um, when you do it. The, yeah. kind of the, I suppose the impression, the public perception uh, yeah. of what's a red and what's a yellow yeah. changes all the time. It it within a few weeks, it changes. Even look at Cipriani's red card um, in October. I mean, Farrell does a couple, couple of Farrell, similar yeah. tackles. A month things. later, yeah. Oh, they're grand. Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> Cipriani's getting banned. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst Farrell's throwing his weight around, <laughs> wrecking boys two weeks in a row. Yeah. Say so nothing. Yeah, it depends on who your dad is, maybe. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was an interesting start to it. Um, then it just became a little bit of a, I don't know. It was it was stop start. There was no flow to it. Mm. Um, Monster. In fairness, had a lot of fresh faces on the field, a lot of players that hadn't played uh, much rugby at all. Archer, uh, <coughs> Klein, O'Shea, Witcherly, Oliver, Matheson, Tout, Sweetenham haven't played for two or three months. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of their, uh, you know, partnerships, 9, 10, 12, 13, um, the line out wasn't running as smoothly as possible, you know. That's a hard thing to do to 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 kind of bring that bond together when you haven't been playing much. Yeah, I think so. I think the one thing Monster did bring they, they brought a lot of physicality. Mm -hmm. um, they there was a lot of big hits going on. It was in some senses it was it was a classic interpro mm -hmm. in that there was a lot of niggle. There was a lot of kind of um, there was a lot of shirt grabbing. 
Yeah. O'Mahony would have loved it. Wouldn't he? He's a shirt grabber. <laughs> he, <is. laughs> he learned from the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, even um, Ian Nagel, who obviously has kind of done the rounds a little bit with the provinces, took a bit of a sabbatical as well. Yeah. Came back in, think maybe his first start, maybe his second start. Pat? I think it was his first. First start? You keep chatting there, I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be his first start. I think start. it might have been his first start, yeah. Uh, and he, I thought he went really well. Looked yeah. really physical, looked really kind of composed. And um, he had big shoes to fill because Ian Henderson has dragged the mm. pack up. He has been leading the way in the last few weeks. And then obviously devastating for him, breaking his thumb, <clears throat> uh, rupturing a tendon in his thumb or something like for 12 weeks. Mm. Ian Nagel comes in there and I thought he just, just picked up where Hendy left off. Yeah, um, did really well. Um, there's that again. I, I don't know how much to read into this, but there was a little bit of chat about Munster getting beat up and cast, uh, and I, I don't like that because it's very old school, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. No, that's not why they lost. No, I agree. And there's there's two ways to look at, and I've kind of had um, contrasting uh, contrasting kind of experiences of coaches and how they interpret that mm -hmm. um, that shirt grabbing and niggle. Uh, and that confrontation and so Joe Schmidt I know would be very much his argument would be be poker faced and just don't have anything to do with it this has no effect on the rugby because the rugby is a separate thing altogether we're going to beat you at rugby and if you want to carry on the does he yeah yeah it's so like that, he'd be very poker faced and even in even in so in the confrontational stuff but even when you score tries he'd be very much poker faced let's get back and let's score another try mm -hmm. whereas John O'Gibbs would be very much um, if one of your buddies is getting a hard time, then let's all show up. Let's be together. Let's be kind of strong. Give a strong impression, or I don't, I don't know what it is. It yeah. just feels like more unity. And even he said, I remember he said, well, we "We're playing Treviso and we scored." And then um, there wasn't much buzz or much excitement. And um, he said in the meeting on Monday morning, lads, um, do, do we? Did we work hard for that try? <laughs> and then they were like, well, yeah, of course, you know, we executed something, we trained hard and, you know, we executed. And he said, well, then why do we not look happy about it? Yeah. <laughs> why don't we get in, celebrate, enjoy that buzz, feed off each other, get that energy. But again, Joe Schmidt's argument would be, um, let's be poker face. Let's let's not get excited because, of course, we score tries. This is what we do. Right. And that almost, it's just those two contrasts. I can see massive value in both of them. Mm. I, th I heard some of the Munster players saying that they have a new psychologist that's working them at the moment. And he says that it's very important at away matches. He puts a lot of emphasis on when Munster are away from home, if they win a scrum or if they win a penalty uh, or they score a try, then you've got to show unity. You've got to create your own buzz because obviously mm -hmm. the home supporters aren't, aren't going to be cheering for you. They're going to be on your back. So you create your own buzz. So that made a lot of sense to me. Um, so I suppose it's knowing when to have your moments. Cause yeah. You do want to, you don't want to focus on celebrating. You don't want yeah. that to be a, a directive going into the game. You want to focus on just getting the job done and, and then celebrate when, when you feel it needs to be. But yeah, and as a winger as well, they're all celebrating over there. I've got to run all the way over. <laughs> Be knackered by the time I get back out here. Just learn how to dance at your own, man. Do <laughs> <laughs> <Through> the robot. <laughs> but just going back to the monster being beaten up thing, <clears throat> I agree with you. I heard another thing about the referee for the cast game where given monster directive that, and cast, that going into that game, they're not... A, they didn't want to see any niggle, they didn't want to see any fighting off the ball or any arguing. They want to, you know, very disciplined in those areas. That was something that they were really looking on since the first game in Thoman Park. And uh, that's all cast seemed to do for the whole game was focus on that. And Munster obviously didn't get involved following the 
the orders of the referee and then it probably looked like they were beaten up then. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So that, that's annoying. I find it that is annoying. Shit, yeah. That is annoying because that, that's got nothing to do with the rugby that's being played. Yeah. Just going on with it. But, it. but it does affect the crowd and it affects the ref and so on. But um, yeah, there was a little bit of that on, on Saturday night in, in the game. But um, for me, like Monster, I, I was looking at their set piece, for example. They didn't get any, uh, they won all their lineouts, but they didn't get any ball off the top to the backs, let's say, f- until the 57th minute or something like that. Everything was a, was a maul or slowed down. And you can understand why they kind of want to take the sting out of the home team and the way Ulster have been, have been playing of late that... You know they've been playing quite an expansive game. Mm. And they had a lot of dangerous backs playing. So uh, and then that that was I suppose working up until fifty seven minutes. They were still only a point behind. But um, I just I think I'd love to see them probably go out and 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 throw the ball around. I've said that I've said that before. But um, it was it was it actually when I watched it back in the video, it didn't look as wet as it was on the night. It was a little bit minging. Mm. It was tricky to play that kind of rugby. Having said that, Ulster did get a lot more joy whenever they got the ball wide. <laughs> so maybe they got the joy because they went wide, or maybe they got the joy because they gave it to Will Allison. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that combination of both when he gets a bit That's of space. It. Oh, he's so good at that age. Mm. Just taking, you know, he, he, I think he burnt both on this on one on one point, and he was getting his hands free. And he, he, even Sammy Arnold coped with him once or twice, yeah. but by cope with, I mean he he just held just, on to him. Yeah. But still, uh, Addison's kind of... He was dig- the difference for yeah. me again. Yeah. yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, also, Rory Best's offload. I'm a huge fan of an offload. <coughs> I think wins, the ga- wins games. Yeah. Throwing that offload at the right time. It, it, I certainly through. thought when he went into contact, that's not a collision that he's going to get an offload out of. Because yeah. was, he was getting hit by three lads. Yeah. And just managed to wriggle... To be honest, he, if he hadn't got the off, he probably had no option. He had to go for it because he was getting outnumbered. He was probably going to go backwards and he might have got turned over. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, listen, I have to get, try and get this way. Yeah. Then Billy Burns linked with James Hume, mm. who made a big impression as well. Did, didn't he? Again, something like a little bit of a goose step, <coughs> that overs, kind of Will Addison. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he obviously, Shanahan, Balakun, try. Yeah, it was uh, that That was the winner, winning of the match there and then. Um once they were kind of chasing it then a little bit, they had a very harsh decision against uh, Botha for a penalty when the ball was clearly knocked on. I agree. And Shanahan kind of knocked it on. Oh, I um, think I don't think Shanahan got to. I think the ball popped out the side of the rock. Okay, Whoever yeah. it was was holding yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. But again, ball it just out. popped out and um, Arno Botha, Botha went for it. Yeah. That was really harsh. And then the result of that was the second try. Um, and yeah, if that had not happened, I think Munster had just started getting there their tails up a little bit, started playing a little bit more. Maybe that was the plan, it was to keep keep it tight and then they brought on like Tommy O'Donnell. Great to see him back actually. Mm. Uh, Kilcoyne had a massive impact and they started getting their tails up but then, yeah, just that moment. Again, huge decision by the ref and, and it changes the game. But The ref, I thought, looked like he just didn't want any bother. <laughs> like, no, yeah. no, 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 that's too complicated. <laughs> Penalty, and then there was another one where um, Stuart McCoskey goes to maybe ten minutes earlier than that. Yeah. He goes to Counter Rock, and he's like, you know that one where you grab their jersey and you're pulling and pushing, yeah. and the guy is like, oh, make your mind up. 
<laughs> you don't know whether you're allowed to do yeah, it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And the ref goes, um, no, no, no. <laughs> and Steve's like, leaving? Why? Yeah, yeah leaving. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's like your mother telling you to leave your brother alone in the back of the car. <laughs> leave him. Leave him. I'll come back to you. You're like just counter rucking your brother <laughs> in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he didn't fill me with mass. I hate giving out about refs, but he didn't fill me with, with huge confidence. But um, yeah, it was a good battle in the end, and you know I think with the teams they had in the field, then I suppose it wasn't a you know it wasn't a surprise that us to come out on top. But a great kick from uh, from Bill Johnson at the end to get a bonus point for Munster. So again, another great trial for Irish rugby, and to see those players coming up against each other, and uh, going to be even more interesting leading into the two games next week. Um, but coming up, we've got uh, a look at Munster versus Leinster and Connacht versus Ulster next week in the Pro 14. We'll tackle your Twitter questions and reveal our Guinness Made of More Player of the Weekend. But next, I'm chatting with Chris Farrell. When I met him down in Limerick on Wednesday, we just sat down for a cup of tea and now we'll chat. We are here today doing an outside broadcast in the University of Limerick the Arena Cafe, if you hear some noise in the background, people having their breakfast, but we are joined by Chris Farrell. How are you, Chris? Good, very good. We've given Chris a break from the high performance unit next door uh, from Munster to allow him just to you know, get out of there. You're in there day and night, I presume, at this stage, so. Nice to get out of there, you're yeah. Very, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, although you probably spend a lot of time here as well. Used to, yeah, now there's a few other cafes around where- There's uh, a few options. We're mixing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling the lads that in Limerick, like it's, you, especially Castle Troy, you have to, you have to work hard to avoid the monster rugby players around here. You kind of, you do, you're very, yeah, kind of cliquey. It's actually what Barrio Mahoney was saying the other day, he was like, I'm just back, just back from Atlanta and want to go for breakfast. And the first thing I bump into is you lads and had to sit down beside us in Lacachina because it's tiny, like, They're so we tiny. literally had to kind of avoid us. That's lovely. I think that's the beauty of Limerick, though, isn't it? That you, you can kind of get on with it. Exactly. You know, you can mix with the fans and mix with the people around here. And Yeah, I think the fans and or certainly the people of Castle Troy become a bit desensitised to us because they, they see us so often. So, yeah. so you're enjoying good. your time in Limerick? Love it, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Man. Well, you've had an interesting journey, um, well documented, I'm sure, and you're well used to talking about it. Uh, coming out of school, straight into the Ulster setup, uh, a couple of years there, and then massive decision to move to France, yeah. a few years over there, and then back to Munster. But yeah, what was that? Yeah, what, 21 were, years of age were you when you? 21, yeah. You left? A lot of people always say, like, when we were talking about it, it was a massive decision. But like at the time, for me, it didn't really feel like a big decision. You know, I, I, I wasn't where I wanted to be at the stage, because you know, I played for Ulster when I was really young. You know, I was 18 when I played for Ulster, and, and had a couple of games that went quite well, and then just got struck down with a few injuries that ended up being long term. And um, there was probably a bit of, I certainly put a bit of pressure on myself to, to be in a better place than I was when I became 21. And, and then I just decided that I needed a change of environment to try and get away from all that pressure that I had put on myself and, and, and went to Grenoble whenever the chance arose. So it worked out very well for me. Yeah. From your Instagram, it looked incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, that, you got out and about in, uh, in Grenoble. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, there was like so when, much to do. So much to do. The weather was unbelievable in the summer, and in the winter you had the the Alps right beside you. So there was just so much to do. And um, skiing was that allowed? You were allowed to yeah. ski. Yeah. So it was. It was one of those things that the president 
asked us to send him an email if he wanted to do a ski and he would say yes or no and um, probably depending on whether there's any injuries in your position or what games were coming up or whatnot but he never ever said no to never me like, it, no, yeah. never we used to go on on squad trips up to the ski slopes we had we were sponsored by Alp Duez which is a ski resort and I stay up there for the weekends whenever we had weekends off it was a brilliant lifestyle in the winter wow I've seen you doing the Wim Hof uh, breeding technique in a yeah, an ice cold lake, frozen lake. Yeah, I had one, an Aussie friend of mine who was big into Wim Hof. Yeah, big into that stuff. So we 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 smashed a bit of a lake open. It was frozen one time and jumped in. Jumped in. How long did you do? I think it was maybe two minutes. It's quite a lot. We did a lot of that because there's a lot of clear water mountain lakes around there. Like, and even in the winter, they'd be freezing cold because the water would be coming down through glaciers wow. and. Um, you know, it would be so hot, it would be like 40 degrees in Grenoble sometimes in the summer. Oh, we right. used to finish training pretty early because we trained from very early to stay out of the heat and yeah. in the afternoon we'd all head up some of the cold lakes the lake. and stuff. So. And the ice cold lake, is that like in comparison ice bath? Like we used to use the ice baths down here downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Worst part of my rugby career getting in and out of those Yeah, it would be so. way, it'd be colder I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah, it'd be freezing. It'd, it'd be like, I think we got... We brought a thermometer with us one time and they were like eight degrees, which is pretty cold. Pretty cold. Yeah. Wow. Tough. Um, but yeah, so the rugby, obviously, you got like 90 caps for Grenoble. Uh, scored a lot of tries, obviously developed a lot as a player over there. Yeah, um, it's probably the main thing is just I stayed injury free. You know, yeah. I, I had three seasons where you know, I had nothing serious that kept me out of playing. I had a fresh from the sternum, but um, managed to play pretty much through that for the next few weeks and yeah I just loved the the buzz of playing rugby week in week out and there's such a massive build-up in the top 14 that all those games are huge no matter where you go you know you go to your Ionax and your Breves and, and your perceived smaller clubs but the home games for those guys is absolutely massive you know oh. the build-up around the travel days over to those sort of towns and, and the derby games are are huge you know it's a uh, it's an yeah. exciting place to play rugby. Always against top opposition, a lot of top centres, I'm sure, as well, from overseas playing over there. So you're, of course, yeah. you're learning a lot playing against those kind of players. Yeah, it's probably, you know, for me at the start, I was like, whoa, what's, what's going on? Like, you know, there was, played against Manonu and stuff, and Bastro in the first year there, and, and Dan Carter, Finnis Rassi, and all this. And these guys were people that I had watched, you know, from when I was young. and. I probably never expected myself to be playing in the same league as those lads uh, at that age in a, in a foreign country, in a foreign team. Um, mm. It was a bit surreal, isn't surreal, it? Surreal. Like if you could handpick who to play against every week. And, yeah. And what, as, a, as a fellow 13, mm -hmm. as you know, uh, like they're, you named a few of my, my favourite 13s ever got to play against them. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm always interested to see how you would have looked as yourself as a 13 growing up. Were you, because like you're six foot four or five, you're 110 yeah. kgs, would you have been, you know, stereotypically you would have thought you'd have been a guy that would just run over people, uh, run through people, demolish people, but yet you've got a much more softer hand than you think. Mm -hmm. You create space before contact a lot of the time. Is that something you developed or is that something yeah. that you've always No, it's something I probably developed when I was young. I, you know, I played... You know, whenever I was in Ulster, whenever I was in like the under 18s and stuff in Ulster, I remember um, Johnny Bell and, and Niall Malone and Gary Longwell used to actually 
travel down to Five Mile Town to where I'm from out in the country during the week after school and lunch breaks in school and stuff the odd time and I'd be in the hall doing skills with those guys on my own and there might have been two of them there and so I got through a lot of Some day development officers back they, then or? They were possibly sub-academy and academy stuff Right, yeah. and, and that's probably what influenced me to then go to Campbell College. I went and boarded in Campbell College for mm. my last year of school um, and seen a lot more. I got a lot more exposure to those lads whenever I was living in Belfast and studying in Belfast as well and, and won the Schools Cup that year. So, yeah, they put a lot of time into me whenever I was young, certainly, and I think I benefited from that, skill set-wise. Mm. Yeah, and obviously that brought you into Joe Schmidt's plans then, I think, you fit that role that he's looking for from a centre, someone that can throw those loop, pa loop passes, get their hands free, throw a wide pass. Um, you've mentioned Joe as a big uh, kind of influence on you when you were in, in France as well, kept in touch. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, look, yeah, I certainly, I hope I'm the sort of centre that he's looking for. And yeah, whenever I was in France, I had a bit of contact from him and there was times where Midweek, I'd receive a text message from him, and and it would be sort of times and games from the weekend past where I'd done something and I could have done something better or something I did well. He just wanted to highlight it, um, so we kept in touch a bit, not a massive amount, but he certainly yeah. let me know that he was watching, and and that was that was great for me as well. Hmm. And that brought you home to to Ireland and Munster. So you're here, yeah, eighteen months now. Eighteen months, eighteen yeah. months, and you've had a, a, a rough. Rough year with injury, but um, good to see you back. Yeah. This time it's not as, as serious as the last knee injury. Mm -hmm. But um, talk me through what it was like getting back on the field. And like for me, it was incredible to watch you come back and within one game, playing a half, I suppose, in the first game you came back, to playing a man of the match performance in my eyes the second week. Um, does that, was that, did you surprise yourself with that? Or did you go into that game just no, happy I was, to be back. Yeah, I was like, I was just delighted to be back, but I was I was just really hungry to show people that you know what was I'd been gone for eight months and mm. you know when you're injured you feel a bit guilty for being gone for for not you know for months you're not having your services because you know they're your employer essentially and, and other people not having your services so you do feel guilty. It's That's a weird, a it's a weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you do, and I just wanted to to sort of prove people that I'm back and that I'm, I can go straight back into these things and be on form and whatnot. And a nice game really, to come back into, I suppose, yeah. as well, when you're getting your hands on the ball a lot. And yeah, a great game to come back into, you know, yeah. with all the international lads playing and a 4G there down in Cork, which is lovely to play on, and, and it was a dry day, and it was, it was a great game to come back. We prepared really well for that game leading into Europe the week after, and it was a great game to come back into. Yeah, and then with the Six Nations ahead and the big year for Ireland, um, you know, with Joe Schmidt making that decision to, to move on, does it make it kind of inspire you a little bit more to go out and try and do a little bit more for him or win the World Cup for him? Or is that something that you think about? Yeah, well, I, I certainly don't know. I think about right now is getting back for Munster and then trying to push for that squad for the Six Nations because, you know, there's a lot of quality, quality centres that are playing really good rugby at the moment. And, yeah. You know, it's a, every time you get into that squad is is an achievement for me anyway and I just want to get back into that squad now so hopefully I get back in the next few weeks and have a couple of games in time to prove him that I'm good enough to be in that squad but you know if I do I think there certainly will be a, an added little bit of motivation for for the for the squad and that 
he's moving on in six, seven, eight months' time, and yeah. he's done so much for Irish rugby. And mm. um, whether that has been with Leinster and what he's done for those guys, and, and what he's done for the country itself, you know, the buzz around Dublin around November, and 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 the way rugby has kicked on over the last few years since he's been in charge is is phenomenal in Ireland. So Ireland in a whole owes an awful lot to him. Yeah. And how do you find them with that buzz and that kind of, I always look at it as a funnel, it's all going towards the Irish team and like the, the provinces, the schools, the, the clubs, the supporters, they're all, there's a unity there at the moment, but it'll all be blown open in the next couple of weeks when the provinces come back to play against each other, uh, Ulster versus Munster, Leinster versus, uh, versus Connacht, vice versa, and they're all swapping. Do you think it'll go back to being very heated affairs and definitely, they like yeah. Irish trials. Oh yeah, definitely, it definitely will be. Yeah. It's just natural, you know, when you come up against someone um, who, who's in your position face to face, who's fighting for a position in the Six Nations squad, that, that there's going to be a little bit of, I would say, selfish motivation in a way. You know, you want to, to prove to those watching that, that you, can, you can mix it with him or you can, uh, you can, you can provide better things than him or whatnot. So there'll definitely be a lot of heat in those games. Do you relish the opportunity to go back and play against Ulster then for your yeah, mates back there? You know, I would have I would have hoped I would have been playing this weekend, but yeah. unfortunately not. But yeah, look I uh, I would love to play against against Ulster. Yeah. And I've got a lot of friends up there still so it's good crack good. like to get out against yeah. them. Yeah. And what about outside rugby then when you are injured in those uh, for those long months, is there anything like you know, for me when I used to play back in the day it was they were the hardest parts when mm. you get over the initial month of the shock of being injured surgery whatever and then you've got six months ahead of you yeah it um, flies though it really does fly yeah like this, this one it, it flew even though it was eight and a half or eight months it, it flew for me and first four months were gone like a flash and but yeah, I guess you keep yourself busy with preparing the team for the games that are coming up and whatnot. And I've been involved with some of the defensive stuff whenever I wasn't playing. And also, you know, I took up studying again. Whenever I went to France, I parked a sport and exercise degree and never did dissertation. Yeah. yeah. So focused on the, speaking a bit of French and learning French and never yeah. did the dissertation. So finally back doing that. Hopefully get that finished now this season. And, Okay, so that's what you spend most of your time doing when you're injured, just a bit, yeah. nerding. Yeah, most of us leave yeah. the last minute, as per usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cramming in. Well, that's yeah. cool, man. Well, look, we're delighted to see you back for Munster and for Ireland. Um, as a as a Munster fan, we're, we just love watching you play, man. Uh, Trimby sends his uh, his love as well. He's a huge fan of yours. Um, he's kind of you're another one of those ones that he was delighted to be retired when you came along so and I agree <laughs> that I was either playing against you or with you I think uh, you're uh, you're the dream number 13 so Thank that's you. Chris Farrell man thanks a million for coming in Thank absolute you. pleasure so cheers man cheers you're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness Okay, that was Chris Farrell there. I uh, can't wait to see him back uh, for Munster. I think they massively miss him at the moment. Obviously, just seeing how good he is when he came back and the impression he uh, he left on that midfield. So, yeah, lovely fella. And thanks for that, Chris. Um, before we move on, uh, I just wanted to correct you on... You called your man from Indiana Jones, Short Rod. 
yeah. I knew there was something in my brain that wasn't right. It's short round. Uh-huh, yeah. Just to call him shorty. And, and in the like, break, you checked with Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pat. <laughs> yeah. I also realised that, back to our Die Hard conversation where you, you were saying it's Die Hard or was the second one and I said it was Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 3. And Indiana Jones is never one that you say Indiana Jones 1, 2 or 3. I wouldn't even know the order. I would just know the names. So it's Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, and then we'll leave it there. Forget, yes. about, forget about that <laughs> yeah. abomination of the fourth one. Uh, was Raiders of the Lost Ark the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Great films. Yeah. That's one for tomorrow now. Hungover, Indiana Jones. Boom. Not Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Goonies. Um, so what are you getting off Senti? Um... Uh, I'm not sure actually. I know my wife was very disorganized this year, so it'll be a last minute. Yeah, I know. My kids have been so good the last while. They get you uh, presents and no, stuff? No, no, no. They've just been really well behaved. Oh, because the threat is I, real. Yeah, I don't know how many fake phone calls the Santa I've made. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he's acting up, I'm like, I'm like, Jack, I'm gonna, hello, Santa. <laughs> Yeah, see that trampoline? Jack's like, no, 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 I'll eat my dinner. I'll eat my dinner. I'm going, you're damn right, you'll eat your dinner. Right, never mind, Santa. Uh, what? You know, I'll have a Garmin. Yeah, cheers. Garmin for the bike. Garmin. You know, Aunt Diana's been uh, very good as well. So. Garmin. Yeah, see you, Santa. God, what a disappointing present. Be in touch. How, does the Easter Bunny have the same effect? Or is this just like a one once oh, time of the year? I'm not sure the Easter Bunny has as high a profile nice. as Santa. No. They're not in the same league, surely. No, nah, they don't really care about the Easter Bunny, do they? Well, <laughs> they always get chocolate anyway. They're just like, shut up, Maggie, the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So just this one time in the year you can use and abuse. Uh, Santi, did you get me anything? I did, yeah. I saw this little gift over there and I was like... I was scanning your sofa for a gift. I have no... I didn't have a gift, but then I heard you had a gift for me, so then I got went to the toilet and I got you a cactus. Oh, thank you. You can take that. I always wanted a ceramic cactus. There you go. There's actually a few of them in there. An unwrapped ceramic uh, cactus. Cacti. Thank you for this, man. No problem. This is so nice of you. For any of you that are listening, Andrew has given me a little... Oh, my God. That is unbelievable. A pair of socks with my, my actual cat's face on them. <laughs> Are they socks? Yeah. Oh my God, this is the best present ever. That's what you asked me. He texted me last week asking me for a picture of my cat. I, I said, like, I said, Barry, this is a, a weird question. Don't ask any, don't ask any questions back. Just tell me. Oh my God. Just give me a picture of your cat. And say nothing more. And he got me. Oh man, I'm never going to take these off. Are they good quality though? They're festive. They're sh- uh, stretchy. Yeah. They're red. And they have my cat on I, it. I think you play quite a conservative sock game. I do. Yeah, I do. The black ones, kind of, the long johns. But so I'll spice things spice up. Spice things up. You can just show it to the camera there, Barry. Just this one here. Sorry. That's Scotty, isn't it? That's Scotty. I'll get up close. I've never met Scotty. He's legend. It's blurry as hell. But that's grand. You get the idea. Thank you so much, man. That is so kind of you. I'm delighted. Um... I should have gotten you something more. I didn't. But no, that's fine. I'm happy wait, wait till Easter comes around. Cactus. <laughs> Cactus. Uh, okay, so moving on. We've got uh, to look forward to Beyond Christmas, um, Monster versus Leinster, Connacht versus Ulster. Two huge games 
Uh, Munster versus Leinster first in Thoman Park. Word on the street is both are going to be fully loaded with international superstars. Um, for example, we should have Conway versus Lowe, Earls versus Larmer, Byrne versus Ryan, O'Mahony versus Van der Fleer, Stander versus Conan, Murray versus McGrath, uh, Scanner versus Ringrose, Carberry versus Sexton. How could you, they've just gone and on. <laughs> Sandless. Did we name everyone? I think most players, yeah. <laughs> that um, just about covers it. Yeah, anyone that's left out is going to be feeling fairly yeah. low after that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's mouth-watering. Yeah, yeah, I think that that Enderpro, from an Ulster point of view, sadly, is always up there. Munster, yeah. Leinster is yeah. the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and always, I always wonder, you know, whenever whenever Ulster go down to Dublin we and, Len- and Con- Connacht the same, we always get play play them at the RDS, mm-hmm. but then Munster always get to play at the Viva. We take into the they take us into the good room. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you go up there, they just sit you at the kitchen table, <laughs> maybe watch some telly. Bring you in, you just eat on your lap, yeah. <laughs> eat in your lap, watch telly. Take us into the good room, yeah. pull out the fine cutlery. It's a five course taster menu. Yeah, yeah, same, vice versa. We usually bring you to Cork, don't we? A lot of the time. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, hit it down there. Anyways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cannot wait for that. Uh, I'm going to be going to it. And look, I think they will put out the best teams, won't they? I think Munster, anyway, will have. They didn't play a lot of their starters for uh, f- f- for the Ulster game, so they, sh- they should be fully loaded. Um, and it is an opportunity to. To, to get one over on Leinster, so I think they'll be they'll be going out guns blazing. Um, you know, they've been if they lose against Leinster, that'll be three on the trot um, that they'll have lost, and then going into Connacht will be a very tough game again, and then heading into Europe. So I know Munster, they'll want to get back on winning ways. Yeah, I think so. I think um, obviously they'll have potentially one eye on uh, the Connacht game the following week. Just with that being in their same conference, mm-hmm. but Munster Leinster, you know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to see past that. That rivalry is enormous, so I think they'll be massively up for that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's going to be a big one. Yeah, can't wait. And then Connacht versus Ulster. Um, Ulster obviously looking to keep up the momentum that they've <coughs> been building over the last few weeks, um, but. Probably will rest a few, will they? I'd say so. Because yeah. they'll probably go fully str- full strength against uh, Leinster going into Europe, yeah. rasting the following week, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they'll probably rest a few. I think that's going to be very, very tough. Mm. Ulster got hammered by Connacht there last year in the sports ground. So, mm. Connacht look like they're they're flying at the minute. Mm-hmm. As as we said, they were, they were brilliant. They were the better side for 70 minutes mm-hmm. against Leinster. So, yeah, I think Ulster will have their hands full. Great. Um, great. Yeah, can't Good. wait. Lovely. I love when you're you're heading into this abyss of Christmas where you have no idea what day it is. You're just when it just changes to dates. <laughs> just working off dates. Yeah. So I think we'll be in the middle of it there when we get to like the 28th, 29th, be like, what day is it? Where am I? <laughs> Still wearing my same cat socks every day. Um, but we put out a vote on the Guinness Made of More Player of the Weekend last night, and here were your nominees: Connacht's Jack Carty and Dara Leader, 
Marcel Coetze of Ulster and Leinster Scrum Half, Jameson Gibson Park. Thanks for all your votes and comments, but the winner of Paul O'Connell's Teeth this week is Jack Carty. Well done, Jack. Fair play, man. You'll have to you'll have the teeth. We might I think it'd be good to get them in like a Christmas cracker, send them down. Nice, yeah. So you can pull them at the Christmas table. Yeah. And then put them in. Careful. With the crown. Yeah. Yeah, crown and teeth. <laughs> the teeth in your head. On the way, Jack. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, we also put out a shout for your Twitter questions using the following hashtag AskHOR and here are some of your best ones. <clears throat> Ed Kidney, uh, what's the Christmas toy you wanted but never got, Andrew? Um, to be honest, I think I, I got everything I ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiled rotten. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you can tell. You can t- <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Ed. Uh, Quaylen asks, can we acknowledge how good Tom Farrell and Jack Carty were? I think we just did. We gave Jack <laughs> yeah. Carty Paul Collins' teeth. Yeah, get up to date, Quaylen. <laughs> uh, that's your real name? Yeah. Quaylen. Uh, <laughs> boys are laughing. I think we're going to get a strongly here. written letter from Quaylen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we got another cracker in uh, from, I'm not sure who this is from actually, but <coughs> question is, in Game of Thrones, being good start, being rugby, <laughs> is Dev Toner Hodor, is Rob Kearney Jamie Lannister, is Jacob Stockdale Jon Snow, is Barry Sir Jorah, and is Trimby Sir Barristan? Great question. First of all, I don't think either of us are those people because they're nobodies <laughs> and they're boring. <laughs> so I'm definitely Jon Snow or someone like that. So you're you're taking stock deals rule? Yeah. Are you? Yeah, it's wasted on him. Not <laughs> wasted on him. I think we'll start with the families, right? <clears throat> so I think Leinster are the Lannisters. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. In that collectively all assholes. Yeah. But individually, you know, Jamie Lannister's sound. I actually quite like Jamie Lannister. Yeah. yeah. And even Tyrion. Tyrion's sound. great. Yeah. yeah. Like Dev, great but lad. Together they're kind Jack of... Jack McGrath, sound. <laughs> Johnny, good lad. Not all together. <laughs> <laughs> and it even kind of sounds like it. Lannister, Leinster. Yeah. 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 Too easy, too easy. Perfect. Good start. Um, Monster, obviously, the, 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 what are they called? Sean Bean's character, the Starks. The Starks, definitely monster. 100%. Um, so wholesome. I don't think you've enough so integrity to be the Starks. So much honor. <laughs> no, I think the Ulster yeah, no. is integrity. And that's level. where I'm Jon Snow. <laughs> You're not a Stark then. I, well, I'm. Yeah, but I'm like, I am one of them though. <laughs> You're an illegitimate <laughs> monster, man. Shit. You're like Felix. You're illegitimate. You're actually from yeah, Dublin. I'm, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's not a Lannister though. No, but he's a he's a snow like he, he he's, he's a not Targaryen a or something, is he? Oh yeah, well eventually he is. Yeah. Okay, so you're the Targaryens, <laughs> Ulster Targaryens. That I, I'm happy to accept. I'll that. give you uh, Daenerys. <laughs> Who died and made you the boss? <laughs> <laughs> My name is first, right? I get to decide. You are the dragon queen. That's right? fine. That's okay, fine. and. Uh, Len- Connacht are the lads out in the islands. Yeah, yeah. Only none of them are, are ironborn. 
Yeah. <laughs> They're all they're come from the, Lan- the Lannister Academy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we've lost all our Connacht listeners. Yep. What are they called again? The the Iron Lads, the Islands. Um, um, the Greyjoys. The Greyjoys. The Greyjoys. Yeah. They're all yeah. reeks. <laughs> reeks. And who uh, who are the Wildlings? Um, the Welsh. Yeah. Scottish maybe. <laughs> Just not us. Yeah, just not us. <laughs> That's great, though. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the questions are getting way, way better. So yeah. I rewind four or five weeks. We were getting stuff like, um, um, what's your favourite stadium you've ever played at? Who <laughs> 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 is this fan you have in your mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just follows you around, <laughs> shouting things at you. Hearing these terrible questions with that really annoying voice. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, more of those. And if anyone has any more suggestions for the Game of Thrones uh, players or <coughs> families or... Keep them coming. Keep them coming. The more offensive, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ty Furlong is Mountain. Oh, yeah. Because he's not strictly a Lannister, but he's in the Lannister clan. Yeah, he kind of crushes your man with the, his head, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he squeezes his eyes out. He'd be well able for that, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about the wolf lad? <laughs> Was it with a big, massive guy with the kind of burnt face? Oh, yeah. He, he's Martin's brother. Is he? Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. Pat? Yeah. My brother, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Pat is a fountain of knowledge. <laughs> he's just confirming everything. <laughs> the books and the, the yeah. TV show, yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh, there has to be that little douchebag king. Oh, yeah. Oh, the young lad. Who's that? That's oh, a very that's offensive one. You'd be gutted if you're that guy. <laughs> I'll let you throw it out there. Look at that You've thing. got it wrapped in a lot more charm than I do, I think. No, don't team me up. <laughs> Come on. Don't compliment me <laughs> and <laughs> trick me. <laughs> no, let's leave that one. We'll leave it off. That's awful. Someone out there knows it's them, though. Yeah. You know, they're thinking, going, damn it, it's yeah. definitely me. Yeah. So whoever you are, you're lucky. It's Christmas. We'll let you off. We'll tell you in the new year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Christmas Bonanza <laughs> special. <laughs> Woo! We did it. <laughs> happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Woo! Have a very happy Christmas, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here on the 31st of December for a New Year's Eve special. We'll be recounting what happened in the Interpro games between Monster, Leinster, Connacht, Ulster. Trimby, have Party a very, on. very happy Christmas. Very happy Christmas. Party on. <laughs> This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.